I guess our hope in God needs to be established. It needs, we need to absolutely make sure. And so we're going to go through some scripture. We're going to go through some, um, I guess, a little bit of teaching. But we're going to encourage you in the fourth part of this installment of hope to, I guess, get you absolutely in these days of shaking and everything is shaking and will shake and even things that have been solid even for decades, it's going to move. Things are moving. Financial institutions, uh, the, the economy, but the po- uh, political situations, the wars, the rumors of wars, the, the, wine, the what is it, swine flu or something, these things, earthquakes, tsunamis, all these things are beginning to show us that we are absolutely living in the last days, the last moments of the last days. Do you know what I'm saying? It's in the Bible. Uh, the Middle East situation is unfolding. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, it's very interesting days. People are going to be looking at our hope. They're going to be saying, well, why aren't you worried? If they see your countenance is strong, you've got, you got, got faith in your heart, you've got an expression that says, I know my God's going to work this out. He can turn all things around for good to those that love him according to his purposes in heaven, the Bible says. Do you know what I'm saying? If you can stand in these days, if you can stand even in this day with a countenance of faith, hope, and love, you are absolutely doing a brilliant job for Jesus. Are you listening to me? And so we talk about David. We go back to David because he's a guy, King David, David the Goliath killer, the David that was tending the sheep and overcome the lion and the bear. David that was trying to answer his calling. And uh, he was being led through a process of the trial of life uh, through all the, the stuff that he went through. This is a great example to look at. David is always a great example to look at because I believe all of us are trying to answer our calling. Is that right? And our purpose. And David knew he had a calling. David knew he had a purpose in God. David knew that he was born for such a time as this. Amen. Say, such a time as this. Can I take my jacket off now? So let's back it up a little bit. And because uh, we need to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, God needs to be the center of our hope. So Psalm 146 verse 5. I'm going to fly through this. So that's why I haven't got the, uh, the scriptures up on the screen. But blessed is the man. This is David. This is the heart of David. So let's back it up a little bit. Get your Bibles out. Get your notepads out. Just jot these scriptures down as I throw them to you. And I hope after this that you will have hope, real hope. And in fact, if you're not subscribed to this hope, that I h- hope that at the end of this that you will... <laughs> See, the hope that I'm talking about is, I hope that they cut my hair right. And guess what? She was there. She's still there. I found a hairdresser because I had one at Terrigal, a Tugra, and she went off. She's backpacking in Europe. I don't know what she's doing. And as soon as you find a good hairdresser, they they go, they leave, and you've got to find another one. And ladies know all about this, I'm sure. And And so I went to this one a couple weeks ago, months ago, and I found a great lady over at... Terrigal, and uh, guess what? I went back there for the second time, and she was there. And so my hope was a little bit dubious. I was hoping she was there. So that's having a negative connotation. 
I hope it's not windy today. Who's been hoping that? (laughs) Yeah. I hope that the bus comes on time. Listen, but our hope is much more solid than that. In Bible terms, our hope has a surety. My hope is in God. I could hang, not a picture off that, I can hang the earth off it. I could literally take this earth if I was big enough. I'm not quite there yet, but I, if I could pick this earth up and hang it off the hook of hope in Jesus Christ, and it is. Everything is hung together by the fact of who Jesus Christ is. He sits in heaven and he is the center of the universe. Who believes that? The reason David was able to say, my hope is in God, was that David, that David even had said, if you go into Psalm 71, I haven't got time to go there, I'm sorry, but if you go into Psalm 71 and you read that Psalm, it says, God was my hope when I was, when I was born. Coco, my, my hope was, was there when I was born. This is David now, Psalm 71. My hope was there when I was born, when I was a child, when I was a youth, overcoming Goliath and in my middle years and when I'm old and grey. I'm not going grey, am I? Someone said I've got a little bit more grey than usual. Distinguished. Hey, Proverbs says I'm supposed to be, uh, this is a crown of glory, this grey head. That that I've sort of weathered these years. Wait till wind goes grey, man. That'll be a great day. I'll see you at the back there, buddy. You laughing with your nice brown hair. My hair was like that. Don't you laugh at me. My hair was all brown. You come around my place. I'll show you the photos of the 70s. My hair was out here. It was was a crown of glory. (laughs) Psalm 71. My hope, he says, is still in God. It was in God when I was a child, when I was a youth, when I was a kid, when I was a youth in my middle ages, when I was old and grey, my hope is in God. And he was able to say that to the next generation, Foz. He was actually able to say that, man, just imagine there, you're, you're just in your senior years, man, you're 85, you're down at the beach with your plank, and you could, you know, some little surfy, what do they call those young surfy guys? Grommets, little grommets, and you can say there, you're stepping up to those waves out there, cracking on the, you know, the point that you can say, Little grommet, my hope is in God. And these grommets go, yeah, that's, that's false. He's a legend. He's a legend. Look at him paddling out his gray hair. <laughs> Caleb, like, like Caleb. Uh, Caleb said to Josh, I want that mountain in the promise. I want that mountain. He was 85 years of age. And he said, I want to take it. But there's giants up in the mountain. He said, I don't care. I'm taking that mountain. That mountain belongs to me. Love that stuff. How can you preach in half an hour, God? Give me a break. How can you preach in half an hour? And because he had great hope in God, it was overflowing from him. The hope was, was in his heart. It was in his life. It was, it was just contagious. People would follow him because of it. And then we talked about the foundation of hope. What's our founda- foundation of hope? And we talked about five. You need to jot these down quickly. Uh, One, our hope is in God. Like David said, my hope is in God. 
Number one, our hope is in God. And you can tease these out, and I did in the second uh, part of the series. Two, our hope is in the word of God forever, O Lord. Your word is settled in heaven. This word is coming to pass even as we speak. If you want to know what's happening in the Middle East, go to Ezekiel 38, chapter 38, 39. And you can see what's happening there. It's a very tense situation. These, okay, I'll, I'll get that one in later. Our hope is in the word of God. Romans 15, 14. Our hope is in the Holy Spirit. Thank that you, Bible says Romans 15, 13, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing when you get with the Holy Ghost, man, you get your hope back. And when you get dull and boring and flat, no hope. Oh, does the Bible work, Andrew? I've got a sick you know, situation here, man. You, you still got that hope you're running on, man, that raised a youth group for, from six people to over 100 and, you know, 150 people now? You still got that same hope after, you know, seeing your baby born and, uh, you know, you're going through stuff and... You still got that hope, buddy? Can you, can you help me? I need a transfusion. And, 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 and you watch. People who, got, who are close to the Holy Ghost, they got, they got hope. They got hope, man. They got expectancy in God. They got a hope in God. They got expectancy in God. Yeah. When you get distance from God, you lose all your vision. I had to tell my daughter yesterday. I said, do what Abraham did. Abraham did when God said to him, look north, look south, look West, look east. Look above you, youth, and see your destiny. See what God has for you. You need hope to be able to do that. You will get hope in doing that. And we talked about that being the five. Well, I haven't mentioned them all yet. But number four is the throne of God. We have this anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And we talked about how the soul drifts. If this was a boat... Here's me on the stormy seas, stormy seas of life. Stormy seas of life. I'm in a boat. And this boat, my soul, has a propensity to go with the tide. And it can be buffeted by the wind. And it can be in a storm. Did we say that? can be in a storm. Bible says our hope is like an anchor when we throw it into God, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the throne of grace, which is the presence of God. And the fifth one is Jesus. There are five major realities of our hope. Okay, foundational, revelational values of hope. You love this stuff? I'm not boring you, am I? I know I'm not. It's just like Zoolander, isn't it? But on steroids, God steroids. <laughs> He's our foundation. He's our hope. So we've got to make our hope sure. Um, quickly, quickly, Phil. And the Bible says in Hebrews 6.11, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. And in order, I remember someone quoted this to me. No, I heard it in a preach. Actually, it was Fred Albright, way back in the early 90s. He's just received new lungs. He's had new lungs transplant. Great man of God. And he preached this uh, scripture in one service I was in, and it went like this. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. Say, make your hope sure. 
We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Hebrews 6.11. So how do you make your hope sure? How do you make it sure? You've got to go to uh, Romans 5, verse 1 to 5. And it talks about, and we will do this because you need this, because Andrew knows about this now, and Jilly, because this is so true. How do you make your hope sure? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, see, faith is the key factor, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in the sufferings. Can Jilly say this? Uh, Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. See, this is not for wussy people, this stuff, man. To hang on to God when you're getting mocked, mooned. You know what mooned is? I, I've not had anyone moon me yet, but they used to moon the revivalists. And, uh, but, but, but mocked, ridiculed, be quiet, you guys. Somehow, enduring that allows you to endear, to have perseverance. And perseverance, the Bible says, gives us hope, real hope. Because unless your hope is tested, because unless your promise is tested, Julie had a three-day drama of having her baby, but she was determined. I wouldn't even try and make the face that she was making through the process, but she was determined. That's why we have women with more substance than sometimes a lot of the men. Because men don't go through this incredible experience of giving birth to a promise. I think, shouldn't say it politically, I think there's too many Caesars because people bail out on paying the price to have the promise. Oh, shit, just edit that out, would you? Because, no, 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 it's cool. That will leave it in. I don't want this promise. Take it away from me. But if you go through the trial of life, the crucible of life, persevere, maintain your course, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, Endurance will allow your hope to come alive. Hope will allow your endurance to maintain course and you can pursue. And out of that, you get character muscles, backbone, solidness in your spirit. You become someone we can count on, God can count on. Because it's through the trial of life, of your endeavors, of your promises that are due yours when they're tested that it's then when we work out how committed 
What sort of character do you... It's okay when everything's rosy to believe in great stuff in God, but when the adverse winds come, what about then? That's not good. That's a good thing because we need to realize that things don't come easy in this life. And Julie and Andrew certainly realize that now. Bible is clear that endurance will produce hope and also hope inspires endurance. And I couldn't help but think of your little journey from Foresters up to Terrigal. You paddled up there. Man, that sorts you out. So here's you bragging on Facebook, I'm going to paddle from Forries, Forries they call it, Forries to Terrigal. I'm going, gee whiz, this will be good, this will be good. Let's see, let's see if the uh, Facebook goes dead for a couple of days. Just, and you just don't even, there's no, nothing mentioned of that. Next day, did it hard, persevered, endured, feel better for it. Character. Love that stuff. All right, let's check this out. Oh, this, this might have to be a five-part series, I think. Okay, can we do it? Lord, help me. What does having promise in God, knowing that Jesus is coming back very shortly, by the way, like we lived in the 90s, Jules, very much so when we got revived in 93, when we were just nice church attendees, pushing pram like Andrew with the kids, turning up at church every day, every Sunday. Nice. They used to call us the Golden Family. We were just so nice. And I told you about that word, nice. Um, and so, but 93, God got us, turned our boat over, and we realized there was so much more to what God had for our family, for us personally in our callings. And although we were completely enamored with our children, our children man, were just absolutely... Everyone would comment on our children, Andrew. And, uh, yes. And, uh, of course, you married one of them, yeah. And, uh, very nice. <laughs> and and then, you, then God says, hello, hello. And, and then we got revived. We got revived. And then, of course we realized that things were quite urgent in the sense of where the world was at and what God was demanding from us and the expectancy from us to figure in these last days of being a strong church and preaching the gospel, reaching out to the peoples uh, out there. And, and then God said, I want you to, to really begin to reconcile your whole life into the top shelf calling that I, I always born you for which was, which was to maybe pioneer a church which we did 13 years ago and that gave us severe hope uh, all over again that we could be an answer, that we could make a difference that we could uh, intervene on the situation of darkness and of also stuff breaking out in our society and I thought, man, we could do this if God's power is available, if God is God and, and we, can, we can ask for his intervention and we can bring good news and then build a strong church 
where people can get saved, healed, set free. My God, this we could really begin to, you know, we could really sow our lives into this. So we really, for a long time, began to live our lives like Jesus was coming back any moment. But listen, we are, we are supposed to live our life like Jesus is coming back today. But we set our plans and goals like he ain't coming back for another hundred years. Do you know what I'm saying? So I want to see, you know, great-grandkids. Uh, I want to see all you young people have families. And, but we live with a high expectancy that Jesus is intervening now and will even come back, as the Bible says, in the clouds and intervene before the Middle East gets blown asunder and uh, Israel is taken off the map, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus will come back and bring some sweet intervention into the situation. But there is, there is a risk there that we live there and don't do any, any practical good. And a lot of our church forefathers did that. It's Jesus coming back, forget having superannuations, forget buying houses, forget having a career. God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to have high hope that things are going to be worked out somehow God's going to turn this mess around and you're going to help do that by your prayers, by your giving, by your church attendance. We do that because we have hope that God is reconciling the planet through his magnificence of his plans and purposes. So what happens when you live your life like that? And I'll quickly try and go through this now. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 1 John 3, 3, write it down. So when you live your life like this in expectancy of Jesus coming back today, you want to live a clean life, man. You want to live a life that's purified and, and in right order at least, well, in right standing, you're saved by Christ, saved by Jesus. And so there's another scripture, 1 Peter 1, 13. Be holy. And this is a great mindset to have. Guys, this is a, and I see actually the, the opposite. I see a lot of the church saying, well, we thought he was coming back in the 90s. We thought he was coming back when the Y2, 2000. We thought he was coming back then, you know what I mean, Andy? And then, but now he hasn't come back. Look, he mightn't even come back for a long time. Let's party. Let's watch Zoolander and, and, uh, let's do more than that. Let, let's do some, let, let's, let's sow our wild oats and... No, don't do that. Stay alert. Stay watchful. Stay prepared. Stay sharp. Stay envisioned. Stay hope-filled. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. We're talking about Christ coming back. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as you who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You look at some of these scriptures and they're in the light of Jesus coming back soon. And you can look at the scripture in Titus 2.11. I haven't got time to go there, but it talks about while we wait for the blessed hope. While we're waiting for Jesus to come back, the Bible is saying there, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this age right now, in this present age. Do you know what I'm saying? And there's another great parable uh, in uh, Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. 
But understand this, if the owner of the house had, had known, so this is talking about someone who was in charge of someone else's house, and he says, ah, oh, the master, he ain't coming back, and he just lets it just get easy, and of course a thief comes and breaks into the house, and that can be like, so the house now becomes our life. And if you take it easy with your life, a thief can come by some sort of persuasion, by some sort of temptation, a thief can come, break into your temple, break into your house and defile you. Amen? Wish I could really get into that psalm, man. I just worked that one out. The Bible says hope produces faith and love also. So the first promise, the first thing that hope produces was to be healed, to be to be cleansed. That, that's a great promise. The other thing that the promises of hope give you, the Bible says hope produces faith and love. I love this. Colossians 1, 3, 2, verse 6. We also thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So hope has enables us to have great faith in Jesus Christ. The second thing is, if you keep reading, and also the love that you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring, that spring from the hope. Faith in Jesus Christ, when you've got hope, it becomes a springboard. When you've got hope in God, it becomes a springboard into faith in Jesus Christ and into the love of the saints, which is you people here. But also... It's about the unsaved too. Praise God. Hope acts as a springboard for faith and love. Okay. Second thing, love for the saints. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith, and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So when we got hope in God, you can wear this hope as a helmet because the battle is in the mind. The battle is in the mind. Is God, do I have a destiny? Do I have a calling? When you, the Bible says when you put this helmet on, it's speaking figuratively, but it's speaking symbolically of this helmet that uh, a soldier would wear in a battle. If his head is damaged, that is a major injury. You can actually have a, a, an arm lopped off. You can have a leg lopped off. I'm thinking Monty Python now. It's just a flesh wound, you know. <laughs> just a flesh wound, man. Come back. Come back. I'll fight you. The worst thing you can have is, is, a, is a, a head wound. And it's the same for Christians too. 80% of sicknesses are psychosomatic. It's what you think is happening in your body. You can see the stuff. It takes over your whole body. I've got a sore big toe. Now my, my ankle's blown up. Oh, my knee, knee. Now my hip. Now my back. Oh, my, oh, my body. Psychosomatic things. A lot of the battle is in the mind. So the Bible says, put your helmet of hope on and believe in salvation. Believe in the hope of glory of Christ. And as you do, you can stand in all this difficult environment and be strong 
as a Christian. Who likes that? It helps promote evangelism. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. I'm nearly done. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The other thing is hope allows you to pursue positive action. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you. And I'm nearly done. This is great. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah writes a letter. So let's go back into this story. All of God's people are being taken off to Babylon, an occultic nation taking God's people, the finest, the prophets, the priests, all of the people, the Levites, all the people have been dragged off. There's Jeremiah standing in this this day of being besieged, Jerusalem being besieged. God downloads to him in his prayer time and God says to him, I want you to buy a field. What, here? It'd be like, it'd be like us if this place was being overtaken, uh, the central coast. And then the real estate guy came to you and said, Bryce, I want you to buy a, a house. But now we've been dragged off, man. Forget this place. It's dead. It's done for. And, and, and you know, you're just worried about what's going to happen down there and the plans that the enemy has for you down there. But God says, Jeremiah, I want you to listen to me. I want you to buy a field in Jerusalem as a prophetic declaration of a future that I have for my people. There shall come a day, even though the plans of the Babylonians for you down there are for evil, I'm going to bring you back to my plans, to my destiny, to my will, and you're going to have a field that will represent a hope and a future that will be just there for you in these days here when you're under, you're under the circumstances. Jeremiah says, my God. And so he does. He buys a field. And God, I believe, is asking us to do the same. Even though there's a shaking, even though things are happening all around us, God is saying, I want you to buy a field for the sake of the future, for the sake of our children's children, for the sake of the future of this world. I want you to buy into the future plans of my kingdom. I want you to invest in your salvation. I want you to buy a field and work out your salvation even more. I want you to buy a field into your calling. I want you to buy a field into your calling. What, now? It's too late. Some of you guys are not even in the kingdom yet. Well, what's the use? No, God's saying buy a field now. Buy what you can. The book of Ephesians says, redeem the time that you live in. Make use of the day in which you live. Buy up opportunity. God is saying, I want you to buy a field in the kingdom. Some of us are floundering. Some of us are dry. Some of us are just meandering. I love that word, meandering. Without vision, we meander. When you don't have vision, people perish without vision, without prophetic vision. If you can't see yourself down the line, rocking for Jesus, doing family, building community, expressing yourself in your gifts and your talents and your callings, if you have no hope, if you don't have that sort of hope, you will meander. You will meander. And here's a clue for you. If you've got some sort of giftedness, if you've got some sort of heart cry, desire in your heart, that when you go to pray, you pray about such things, it's always there. Guess what? The Bible says, like Abraham, who without hope, 
found hope, found faith, and secured God's promises. If you have hope in God, and if you have faith, which is the substance now of things hoped for, see, faith without deeds is dead. But when I put substance to it, when I say, I'm going to Bible college, I'm going to give to God, I'm going to turn up into what God says for me to do. I'm going to put my my artwork on sale. I'm going to build a house even though I'm not married. I'm going to buy a house even though I'm not married. Substance of faith. See, faith is, I've got great faith. To be a great guitarist, better than Daniel. Where's your guitar? I don't have one. Are you learning some scales? No, I don't learn any scales. I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray. And God's going to, God's going to do it. I'm just going to, buddy, you ain't going anywhere. Get yourself a guitar. Where's that bass guitar out the back? We got a bass guitar. Go get it. Hope. Hope. Someone got a bass guitar. It's substance. Why, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Why do you go to church? Because it's substance. Why do you give to God? It's substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Buy a field. What do you want to do in life? What's your calling? Begin to buy a field. Begin to have hope again in God. Begin to buy a field for the future of the generations. Why build a church for, Pastor Phil? Why don't you meet in a school hall? Because God asks us to buy a field. Buy a field. Oh, this, is, this was secured yesterday at an auction for, for a dear young girl that used to be in our church that died of cancer. And they auctioned this. And this now becomes substance of things hoped for. Sub this bass guitar I'm holding, people listening on the internet, listening to this preach, this bass guitar I'm holding, five-string bass, uh, becomes substance of things hoped for. Who's got a hope to play bass guitar in here? We need some bass players, actually. Who? Jake. James. You bought one? What about uh, Sam? Does he want to play? Praise God. This becomes... So you bought it for him as substance of things hoped for. That's great, Frank. Fantastic. If you're floundering... I'm done. If you're floundering... If you're floundering, if you're in a dry place, you need to secure your hope in God again. If you're floundering and dry on the point of depression, I can vouch this, that you have no hope for your future. But the Bible says that God has plans and purposes, a hope and a future for each one of us. And when we look our gaze up to heaven, when we acknowledge God of our existence, when we acknowledge God, the God of hope, that says to us, you're here by reason. You're here by reason of my, my plans and my, pur- my purposes, but my love to flow through you. 
through whatever gifting you have, for whatever talent you have, God wants to, I believe this is a word for someone, whatever gifting you have, whatever talent that you have, whatever you aspire to, whatever you dream about, I want you to fan into flame that giftedness and allow the faith to become substance and do something about it and offer it up to God. It will pull in what you hope for. It will pull it into your very existence. It will pull in what you need into your life. Buy a field. If you want to preach, if you want to be a businessman, if you want to do something with your artisticness, your giftedness, buy a field. 